Hello, everybody. Sega. 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 <laughs> Sega Part 2. Or auto save disabled. Sega Part 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sega. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this is Sega Part 2 here on auto save disabled. We thought, we thought we would soothe you into this episode. I hope you are feeling nice and warm. Because, boy, I sure as hell ain't. <laughs> oh, man. So, we, uh, last episode we went over the fact that Sega had a lot to do with, uh... The creation of the ESRB. The ESRB. The people that put those nice, big, bold letters and squares on your games. These people are the reason why I could not play GTA V. It didn't matter for me because they sell it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to have my mom because I can't look at animated titties. <laughs> well, I mean, at, le at least that employee was doing their job that day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, looking back at it, I mean, I don't blame him, but looking back at it, I also blame him for my sexual frustration. It's funny to me that they, they won't sell it to the kid. They'll sell it to But the they'll parent. sell it to the parent, even with the kid next to him, knowing damn well it's going to the kid. Well, it's not like you're buying a gun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like, as long as, long as mama knows, it don't matter. <laughs> Yeah, so, oh uh, yeah, so we're coming off of the fact that they made it, they helped make the ESRB, not really helped, but they had a big role in uh, forming it, and uh, afterwards, Sega began uh, work on the Genesis's, say that three times fast, the, would it be Genesis's or Genesis? The Genesis successor. The Genesis successor, yes. Uh, the Sega Saturn. I know a lot of people might know what that is. It was not very good. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of the consoles they made were that good, to be honest with you. Nope. Nintendo kind of smoked them. <laughs> um, and uh, so this, uh, they, they started making the Sega Saturn, and uh, over two years before the system was showcased at the Tokyo Toy Show in uh, June of 1994, uh, according to uh, former Sega of America producer Scott Bayless, uh, Nakayama uh, became concerned about the 1994 release of the Atari Jaguar and that the Saturn would not be av uh, available until the next year. And people say that Xbox is bad with coming up with names for consoles. <laughs> the Atari Jaguar. <laughs> you, mean, you mean Sega Jaguar? Oh yeah, it is the Atari Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because Atari runs off of off of that. Yeah, which I mean, the Sega Saturn sounds okay. I mean, at least has a jingle to it. Yeah, and like you know, the Sega Genesis. Feels the like, beginning of a new. Yeah, but like the Atari Jaguar. Yeah, no. <laughs> it just sounds like a bad afternoon with a cougar. There ain't nothing. There ain't no bad afternoon with the cougar. What are you talking about? <laughs> One that is like, uh, what, 30 years your senior? That'd be a bad afternoon. Hell no. That means that she could treat me like her son and tuck me in after we're done. <laughs> Shit, I get to take her, I get to take her kids Capri Suns. That's even better. 
<laughs> the fruit roll-up shall be mine. Ain't nothing wrong with them. Like, hey, girls, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 15. I'm, about, I'm 15 deep in your mom. <laughs> I'm about to show you this gusher. <laughs> <laughs> Not to the daughter, of course. Well, yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> be bad. She's like, hold on, I got to take these out. Takes out dentures. <laughs> You ain't got to worry about getting your getting your getting your shit scraped though. <laughs> oh, anyway, back on topic. Oh my god, you dare. <laughs> um, uh, as a result of that, uh, Nakayama decided to have a second console release um to market by the end of 1994, and uh, Sega began to develop the 32 <coughs> the 32X a uh, Genesis add-on which would uh, serve as a less expensive entry into the 32-bit era. And the, the 32X would not be compatible with the Saturn, but would play uh, Genesis games. And uh, Sega released the 32X on November 21st of 1994 in North America, um, December 3rd, 1994, and in Japan in January of 1995 in PAL territories. And was um, sold at less than um, half of the Saturn's launch price after the holiday season, and interest in the 32X rapidly declined. So yeah, I'm trying to see what games are 32-bit. There's a good bit of games that are 32-bit before going into the 64-bit era. If you guys didn't know what the 64-bit era is, Doom 3 is 32-bit. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Doom 3, what? Yeah. Doom 1 and 2 were 32-bit. No, what? You said Doom 3? That's what it says. That's a fucking lie. <laughs> there are games with both 32 and 64-bit. Dude, Doom 3 came out on, like, the Xbox. GTA 3, Bioshock Infinite, Far Cry 3, Mario 64, yeah. GoldenEye, Tomb Raider, Max Payne. I know Doom Eternal is not a 32-bit game. <laughs> <laughs> I think they need to revise this website. Yeah, a couple of things. A couple of those seemed like they were wrong. <laughs> Just um, like how Doom 3 was a wrong entry in the Doom franchise. I'm not going to get into that right now because <laughs> I'm going to get into a whole spiel. <laughs> like a BP oil spiel. Um, so Sega released the Saturn in Japan on November 22nd, 1994. And uh, Virtual, uh, Virtual Fighter, a port of the popular arcade game, sold at a nearly one-to-one -one ratio with the Saturn at launch and was crucial to the system's early success in Japan. And uh, Sega's initial shipment of 200,000 Saturn units sold out on the first day, and it was more popular than uh, the new competitors, uh, Sony's uh, PlayStation in Japan. Hmm. So, fun fact. Uh, in March of 1995, uh, Sega of America CEO Tom Kalinske announced that the Saturn would be released in the U.S. on Saturn Day, which uh, is just Saturday with an N. That's awful. <laughs> well, this is the guy, I think, that came up with the, Nintendo. uh, the Nintendo shit, so... <laughs> Yeah. He he don't have a good track record so far as it is. Yeah, that's real <laughs> edgy and, a, what do they say, and aggressive? Sega does what Nintendo don't. No, 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 they said that they were, like, edgy and aggressive. No, they were, like, edgy and, um, uh, I forgot what the other word was. I can't remember either. Uh, cringy. Yeah. Would be a good word for it. <laughs> oh, no. Cringy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Saturn, Saturday, uh, September 2nd, 1995, and Sega Japan mandated an early launch to give the Saturn an advantage over the PlayStation, 
And at the first Electronics Entertainment Expo, or as we all know it as E3. Good old E3. You want the wise name E3? Because there's three E's. Exactly. So the Electronic Entertainment Expo is E3. Just in case anybody didn't know, it's named E3 because there are three E's. That's an E3, E3, and E3. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, so E3 in Los Angeles on May 11th, um, 1995, and uh, Kalinske revealed the release price and that Sega had shipped 30,000 Saturns to Toys R Us. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Toy R (laughs) Us. Toys R Us. uh, Babbage's. Is that what that is? Yeah, Babbage's Electronics. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be some early yeah early 90s shit and software etc for immediate release whatever the fuck software etc is i'm pretty sure they deal with software that might be the cousin to from software no that no that would be free <laughs> software <laughs> no um, no that would be to go software <laughs> a byproduct of the surprise launch was the provocation of retailers not included in Sega's rollout. KB Toys in particular decided to no longer stock its products in response. Oh, someone got some balls finally. Mm-hmm. The Saturn's release in Europe also came before the previously announced North American date on July 8, 1995. And within two days of the PlayStation's American launch on September 9, 1995, the PlayStation sold more units than the Saturn. And within its first year, the PlayStation secured over 20% of the U.S. video game market. As it should. Yes. PlayStation supremacy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The uh, console's high price point, surprise launch, and difficulty handling uh, polygonal graphics. Some people say polygonal, and some people say polygonal, or uh, polygonal, or some shit. But I say polygonal. Anyway... Uh, were factors in its lack of uh, success. And Sega also underestimated the continued popularity of the Genesis and uh, 16-bit scales accounted for 64% of the market in 1995. Despite capturing 43% of the U.S. market dollar share and selling more than 2 million Genesis units in 1995, Kalinske estimated that if prepared for demand... Another three hundred thousand could have been sold. That sounds like that sounds like Sony with their PS5. Yeah. <laughs> Which fun fact? I'm finally getting a PS5. As of today, the uh, was it twenty second? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of surprised Sony hasn't done what Xbox has done: make like a slightly worse console. Well, it's like a less power console, and make it like a lot smaller. A lot more affordable. I don't know. I'm surprised they haven't done anything like that. I mean, that. pretty much all PlayStation, uh, Sony's done is just make the same console, but without a disk drive. Yeah. I mean, but, but looking at X, because I read an article the other day where, like, the Series S is completely dominant over the X. Well, that's because everybody can get it. Exactly. So why doesn't Sony do something similar to that? Because they know that they can mass produce that because that's literally cutting down, like, at least 50% of the fucking size of it. Yeah. Because the PS5 is fucking huge well it's not really the size of the console so there's it's a, a lot of the, it's just like a lot one, of the shit in it yeah some of the components but, I mean, but look, I mean if xbox can do it why can't sony i don't know man i mean because like the series s i mean yeah it's a little bit underpowered in comparison to the x but they still managed to fit all that hardware in a, in a package like a third of the size i'm guessing they just don't want to 
which they they fucking need to. They could do it and get away with it. Nobody would care. Everybody. Well, what happy. would they call it? PS5 Slim or Super Slim? Well, they're already making Slims and Pros, or not Pros, but Slims and uh, something else. They they already announced that they're doing that. PS5 Dynamite, because Dynamite comes in small packages. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So Sega announced that Shorichiro uh, Iromajiri. Is that correct? Iromajiri? Iromajiri. Iromajiri. Yeah, that guy had been appointed chairman and CEO of Sega of America in July 1996, while Kalinske left Sega after September 30th of that year. A former Honda executive... See, this is already bad. <laughs> Iromajiri uh, had been involved with uh, Sega of America since joining Sega in 1993. And the company also announced that uh, Rosen and Nakayama had resigned from their position uh, positions at Sega of America, though both remained with Sega. And uh, Bernie Stoller, a former executive at Sony Computer Entertainment of America, became uh, Sega of America's executive, executive vice president in charge of product development and third-party relations. And Stoller was not supportive of the Saturn and uh, believing its hardware was poorly designed. So that doesn't surprise me. Either. He did come from Sony. Yeah. So he had higher standards. So far, this episode's just been us shitting on things compared to the PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> um, while Stoller had said the Saturn is not our future at E3 in 1997, he continued to emphasize the quality of its games and later reflected that we tried to wind it down as clearly as we could for the consumer. Uh, and at Sony, uh, Stoller had opposed the localization of certain Japanese PlayStation games that he felt would not represent the system well in North America. And he advocated a similar policy for the Saturn, generally blocking 2D, uh, 2D arcade titles and role-playing games from release, although he later uh, sought to distance himself from the stance, from this stance. So... This is where we start getting the issues of uh, people thinking they know what's best. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if you guys don't know, there's a lot of games that, in terms of how it released in Japan and released to America, got really fucked up. So basically what happened was, um, like what would happen would be, we would get like completely different box art and stuff, and sometimes even different titles. Like Just like uh, Dragon Quest in Japan for us was Dragon Warrior. When Earthbound first came. and Mother. Earthbound and Mother. Uh, Final Fantasy still had the same name, but it had completely different art. And it was fucking stupid and bland compared to the actual art. The actual art's fucking dope. But, so basically, like, and things would be released out of order for us. Because, like, Dragon Dragon Warrior 1 was Dragon Quest 1, correct? Well, Dragon Warrior 2 was Dragon Quest 3. Which makes no fucking sense. Same same thing happened with Final Fantasy. We skipped a game there, too. <laughs> so, well, one thing I can say is not like either one of those games really follow a linear perspective, like a linear stance. Well, no, the Dragon Quest do. I thought that was just like between like three of them. No, uh, three. Uh, it goes three, one, two. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Uh, and then the the four, five, and six go six, four, five. They mm. go the same until and then after that they split. Yeah. And then get into all kinds of fuck shittery like the Zelda timeline. 
like Eleven did, is where it just went everywhere. Well, Eleven uh, uh, did the thing that you should not do and uh, put time travel in the game. Yeah. So, <laughs> so time travel fucks everything. It always messes everything up. If you have a timeline and you put time travel in that shit, guess what? That timeline doesn't exist anymore. Okay, it's just going to be all over the place. Halfway not make any sense. People got to look that shit up just know what it is. It's a bad idea. Just look at Dragon Ball. <laughs> anyway, this is, um, so, um, where was I at? Well, I, well, I don't know. I really wouldn't say with Dragon Ball because he comes from a different universe. That is true. And he, and he just tries to fix it. No, all. see, that started bringing in multiversal, though. Yeah. So time travel still well, but but, but, then, but then again, I'd rather deal with a multiverse than, like, multiple timelines. Well, isn't multiple timelines technically a multiverse? Yes, but a lot can get more fucky with a time with like time travel versus just a multiverse. Look at Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> that entire movie is a love letter saying "fuck you, don't do this." <laughs> but um, uh, so. The guy, uh, he distanced uh, his stance on the uh, way he said things from what I was talking about earlier. And uh, other changes included a softer image in Sega's advertising, including removing the Sega scream and uh, holding press, ev uh, press events for the education industry. So they're starting to get out of the uh, edgy phase. <laughs> and now they're going to the informational age. Pretty much. Until they get Yakuza. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, I mean, I've learned a I've learned a good bit about Japan through Yakuza. Yeah, Yakuza is a good game. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> uh, Sega partnered with uh, GE to develop a Sega Model Two arcade system board, building on 3D technology in the arcade industry at the time, and this led to several successful arcade games, including Daytona USA. Uh, launched in uh, a limited capacity in late 1993 and worldwide in 1994. And other popular games included Virtual Cop, Sega Rally Championship, and Virtual Fighter 2. And Virtual Fighter and Virtual Fighter 2 became Sega's best-selling ga uh, arcade games of all time, surpassing their previous record holder, OutRun. And there was also a technological arms race between Sega and Namco during this period, driving the growth of 3D gaming. If you guys don't know who Namco is, it's Bandai Namco. They became Bandai Namco. So there you go. The importer of bad anime games. Pretty much. I won't really say bad, just every anime game. Just about. Yeah. <laughs> some bad, some good, some okay. This is mainly bad, though. Yeah. <laughs> Trump Force! <laughs> <laughs> Beginning in 1994, Sega launched a series of indoor theme parks uh in uh, indoor theme parks in Japan under concept under a concept dubbed amusement theme park in quotations real creative including joy joypolis parks joypolis, yeah yeah cited in urban tokyo locations such as yokohama and odaiba odaiba oh fun fact not about sega but about jump force they made an official statement saying that they're pulling sales come february what do you mean? Like, they they won't be selling the title anymore. That's fucking hilarious. It really is. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that, you, that, they'll, that they'll always be, like, hard copies in circulation. 
But apparently they're just stopping sales, like online. Well, that game was garbage. Yeah, it so, really was. <laughs> that, that, that game... That game didn't even last long. That game was hot fucking trash on launch. It was about as bad as Avengers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not worse. I knew shit wouldn't go well whenever I looked at Goku and I was like, oh God. <laughs> Which if you want a good version of that game and it's only on PlayStation, get J-Star. J-Star's Victory, Victory Versus. Versus. That shit's good. Which, 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 another little nifty fact, if you play it on the PS3, you can actually have, like, songs play through your MP3 on there. Hmm. I mean, you know, we have Spotify and everything, but it, like, wouldn't mix. Yeah. Yeah, like, it would, like, it would custom upload the song to, like, the actual settings of the game. I never realized that game was on the PS3. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that game, it's old. But it's, it still plays the same, well, very similarly, but the combat's way better. I mean, it, the combat is the same, but it's better. I wonder if J-Stars has PS5 support. I'm pretty sure if you can play it on PS4, you can play it on PS5. Probably. I bet you that game is like, zip, there you go. You're in the game. <laughs> yeah. Like I said with fucking Star Wars Battlefront 2, it's like I click start on a match, and I'm like, oh, I'm already here. Um, A rapid overseas rollout was planned with at least 100 locations across the world. Uh, the world proposed to be opened by 2000. Uh, however, only two Sega World London and Sega World Sydney would ultimately materialize in September of 1996 and March 1997, respectively. And following on, uh, following on from difficulties faced in setting up theme parks in the United States, Sega established the GameWorks chain of urban and entertainment centers in a joint venture with DreamWorks, SKG, and Universal Studios during March 1997. Yep. <laughs> Look at Sega being Sega again, trying to be interesting, but they just can't. <laughs> so this is where a little bit starts to get interesting. If you guys know any uh, particular game series, you're about to see why. In 1995, Sega partnered with Atlas <laughs> to launch Print Club. Uh, pretty cool. <laughs> uh, an arcade photo sticker machine that produces selfie photos. Atlas and Sega introduced Pretty cool in February of 1995, initially at game arcades before expanding to um, other popular culture locations such as fast food shops, train stations, karaoke establishments, and bowling alleys. Pretty cool became a uh, popular form of entertainment among youths across East Asia, laying the foundation for modern selfie culture. By 1997, about 47,000 pretty cool machines had been sold, earning Sega an estimated 25 billion yen. Uh, don't get excited. Uh, <laughs> Which is 173 million euros or 283 million dollars. That's uh, pounds. That's dollars. That's pounds. That's not that. I'm pretty sure that's pounds. Oh, uh, it's not a euro? I'm pretty sure. Fuck if I know. I'm not from the UK. Let me look it up real quick. <laughs> Equivalent to uh, four, uh, 456 million uh, dollars in uh, 20, uh, our modern era of 2020, 2021. <laughs> um, I was right. But they got that from uh, Pudicuda sales that year. And various other similar Pudicuda machines, I'm having fun saying that by the way, if you couldn't tell, <laughs> appeared from other manufacturers with Sega machines appeared, uh, with Sega uh, controlling about half of the market in 1997. 
Sega also made forays in the PC market with the 1995 establishment of Segasoft, which was tasked with creating original Saturn and PC games from 1994 to 1999. Sega also participated in the arcade pinball market when it took over Data East's pinball division, renaming it Sega Pinball. Ah, oh, yes, the all-knowing Sega Pinball. I love how, like, every time they name something, it's just Sega, and then something else. It's never just something interesting, it's just it's Sega. It's like I said earlier, oh, look, it's Sega trying to be interesting again. Oh, it's like, hey, look, they own Pinball, I wonder what's called Sega Pinball. It's like if they owned, like, an Outback. Sega's Outback. It's like, well, I wonder what this is called, Sega Steaks. Sega Steaks. <laughs> Sega of Australia, they already have that. <laughs> Sega Down Under. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually go there. <laughs> and uh, in January of 1997, a year before I was born, exactly because I was born in January, fun fact, uh, Sega announced its intentions to merge with the Japanese toy maker Bandai. The merger planned as a uh, $1 billion stock swap whereby Sega would wholly acquire Bandai, was set to form a company known as Sega Bandai Limited. See, they put the Limited on there that time, three for a loop. Uh, though it was uh, to be finalized in October of that year, it was called off in May after growing opposition from Bandai's mid-level executives. Thank God. Bandai instead agreed to do a business alliance with Sega and... Uh, the business alliance with Sega as a result of Sega's uh, deteriorating financial situation, uh, which is just a really, really uh, nice way of saying they're getting fucking broke. <laughs> <laughs> Nakayama resigned as Sega's president in uh, January of 1998, the month of my birthday, so yes, <laughs> and, uh, and the year in favor of Irimajiri. <laughs> Nakayama's uh, resignation may have in part been due to the failure of the merger as well as Sega's 1997 performance, and Stoller became CEO and President of Sega of America. After the launch of the Nintendo 64 in the U.S. during 1996, sales of the Saturn and its games fell sharply in much of the West, and uh, the PlayStation outsold the Saturn 3-1 in the uh, U.S. in 1997, and uh, the latter failed to gain a foothold in Europe and Australia, where the Nintendo 64 would not release until March 1997. And uh, 1997 is also the time Final Fantasy VII came out, so that probably had a, a good, good... A uh, good bit to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> PlayStation outselling it. Um, yeah, sorry. But, uh... Uh... Yeah, 3 to 1. And uh, Nintendo 64 wouldn't release in March 1997, and after several years of declining profits... Sega had a slight increase in the fiscal year into uh, in the fiscal year ended March 1997, partly driven by increasing arcade revenue, while outperforming Nintendo during the midterm period. Uh, however, in the fiscal year ending March 1998, uh, Sega suffered um, its first financial loss since its 1988 uh, listing on the Tokyo uh, Stock Exchange as both a parent company and a corporation as a whole. Shortly before the announcement of the uh, losses, Sega discontinued the Saturn in North America to prepare for the launch of its successor, the Dreamcast, releasing remaining games in low quantities. And uh, I think if there's 
If there's probably any Sega consoles people really remember, it's probably the Genesis and the Dreamcast. Yeah, that's all I ever hear anybody really talk about. Pretty much. Um, the decision to discontinue the Saturn effectively left the North American home console market without Sega games for over a year. And with most of its most of its activity in the country coming from arcade divisions, the Sega, the Saturn, uh, lasted longer in some Euro, uh, Europe territories and particularly Japan, with it notably outperforming um, the Nintendo 64 in the latter. And um, but nonetheless, Irimajiri uh, confirmed in an interview with a Japanese newspaper Daily Yomiuri that Saturn development uh, would uh, stop at the end of 1998. And games would continue to be produced until mid-1999. And with lifetime sales of 9.26 million units, the Saturn is retrospectively considered a commercial failure in much of the world. Yeah, it didn't do well. <laughs> <laughs> While Sega had success with the Model 3 arcade board and titles like Virtual Fire 3, uh, Sega's arcade divisions struggled in the West during the late 1990s. Uh, on the other hand, Sega's arcade divisions were more successful in Asia, and Sega's overall arcade revenues increasing year on year uh, throughout the late 1990s. But it was not enough to offset the significant uh, declining revenues of Sega's home consumer divisions. So, shit went down. It's too late to fix it, pretty much. About the story of a lot of things, honestly. <laughs> Despite a uh, 75% drop in uh, a half-year profits just before the Japanese launch of the Dreamcast, Sega felt confident about its new system, and uh, the Dreamcast attracted significant interest and drew many pre-orders. Sega announced that Sonic Adventure, the next game starring company's mascot Sonic the Hedgehog, would be a Dreamcast launch game. It was promoted with a large-scale public demonstration at the Tokyo Kokutsai Forum Hall. Uh, due to a high failure rate in the manufacturing process, Sega would not ship enough consoles for the Dreamcast Japanese launch. And uh, as more than half of its limited stock had been pre-ordered, Sega stopped pre-orders in Japan. And before the, uh, the launch, Sega announced the release of its new arcade operation machine idea, Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, arcade system board, which served as a... Uh, cheaper alternative to the Sega Model 3 and Naomi shared technology with the Dreamcast allowing nearly identical ports of arcade games. And Naomi be sharing too much and you keep that thought under wraps. <laughs> uh, the Dreamcast launched in Japan on the uh, November 27th, 1998 and the entire stock of 150,000 consoles sold out by the end of the day. Irimajiri uh estimated that another 200,000 to 300,000 Dreamcast units could have been sold with sufficient supply. He hoped to sell more than a million Dreamcast units in Japan by February of 1999, but less than 900,000 were sold, and uh, the low sales undermined Sega's attempts to build up a sufficient installed base to ensure the Dreamcast survival after the arrival of competition from other manufacturers. And Sega suffered a further 42. 881 uh, billion yen uh, consolidated net loss in the fiscal year ending March 1999 and announced plans to eliminate a thousand jobs, nearly a quarter of its workforce. And um, before the Western launch, Sega reduced the price of the Dreamcast in Japan from 9,100 yen 
effectively making it unprofitable by increasing sales, but increasing sales. I'm trying to read. So are they saying that they reduced it 9,100 yen? Reduced the price of the Dreamcast in Japan by 9,100 yen. Yeah. Holy shit. That's a lot. Of, that's like, that's, that's like an $80 cut. Yeah. Shit. But wasn't this console selling for like five hundred fucking dollars anyway? Something like that. It's like four or five hundred dollars. Ridiculously overpriced for the time. For yeah, for any time. Yeah. But mainly then, because like five hundred dollars then is like what, like seven hundred fifty dollars now. Something like that. Which I mean, the new consoles for us are only like most expensive ones, are like five hundred dollars. Yeah. Um. On August eleventh. 1999, Sega of America confirmed that Stoller had been fired. Uh, Peter Moore, whom Stoller had hired as a uh, Sega of America executive only six months before, was placed in charge of the North American launch, and the Dreamcast launched in North America on September 9th, 1999, with 18 games. And Sega set a record by selling more than 225,132 Dreamcast units, very specific number, in 24 hours, earning... $98.4 million in what Moore called the biggest 24 hours in entertainment retail history. That's in quotes. We'll take his word on it. <laughs> <laughs> Within two weeks, uh, U.S. Dreamcast sales exceeded 500000 and by Christmas, Sega held 31% of the U.S. video game market by revenue. And on November 4th, Sega announced it had sold more than a million Dreamcast units. Nevertheless, the launch was uh, marred by a glitch at one of Sega's manufacturing plants, which produced defective GD-ROMs where data was not properly recorded onto the disc. And Sega released the Dreamcast in Europe on October 14, 1999. While Sega sold 500,000 units in Europe by Christmas of 1999, sales there slowed, and by October 2000, Sega had sold only about a million units. They're not doing good. At all. Because... <laughs> oh, wait. About like how Dogecoin was, it had like that big spike, and then she did, yeah, yeah, kind of took that big plummet. Sadly, oh, like the GameStop stocks. Well, no, they didn't fucking plummet. They were down, and then and then all of a sudden they just went up to the holy shit level. Out of nowhere. <laughs> um, though the Dreamcast launch was successful, Sony's PlayStation still had held sixty percent of the overall market share in North America at the end of nineteen ninety nine. Uh, on March 2nd, 1999, in what one report called a highly publicized vaporware-like announcement. <laughs> what the where the fuck that means? Uh, that's in quotes. <laughs> Sony revealed the first details of the PlayStation 2 dose <laughs> uh, the same year. And Nintendo announced that the uh, its next console uh, would keep or uh, would meet or exceed anything on the market, and Microsoft began development of its own console, the Xbox. Sega's initial momentum proved fleeting as U.S. Dreamcast sales, which exceeded 1.5 million by the end of 1999, began to decline as early as January of 2000. Okay, got the definition for what vaporware is. Okay. Hit me with it. Vaporware. Inform, uh, it's a noun. Okay. Informal slash computing. Oh, shit. Software or hardware that has been advertised but mm. is not yet available to buy, oh. either because it is only a concept or because it is still being written or designed. Hmm. So basically, they're just a less solid cyberpunk. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, poor Japanese sales contributed to Sega's 42.88 billion yen, or $404 million, uh, consolidated net loss in the fiscal year ending March 2000. This followed a similar loss of 42.881 billion yen uh, the previous year and marked Sega's third consecutive annual loss. And Sega's overall sales for the term uh, increased 27.4%, and Dreamcast sales in North America and Europe uh, greatly exceeded its expectations. However, this coincided with a decrease in profitability uh, due to the investments required to launch the Dreamcast in Western markets and poor software sales in Japan. At the same time, worsening conditions reduced uh, the profitability of the Sega's Japanese arcade business, prompting the closure of 246 locations. So, yeah, we're pretty much in the history of Sega being fucked. And also something still kind of sad is that a lot of the Sega arcades that have been around... Like, up until this year, a lot of them are getting closed down now in Japan. Yeah. Which, it's kind of surprising, because, like, arcade gaming, if I'm not mistaken, is still, like, very popular in Japan. Very popular. Like, Sega, Sega's just always been, like, on a roller coaster whenever it comes to things. Yeah. They've never had, they've never really had what I would call a high. They've always just had, like, a really, meh, like, a really mid-tier like experience whenever it comes to anything yeah um more said the dreamcast would need to sell five million units uh in the u.s by the end of 2000 to remain viable but sega fell short of this goal with some three million units sold uh moreover sega's attempts to spur dreamcast sales through lower prices and cash uh rebates caused escalating financial losses and in March 2001, Sega posted a consolidated net loss of 51.7 billion yen, or $417 million, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, while the PlayStation 2's October 26th U.S. launch was marred by shortages. This did not uh, benefit the Dreamcast as much as expected, as many disappointed consumers continued to wait or uh, purchased a PS1. Uh, eventually, Sony and Nintendo held 50 and 35% of the U.S. video game market, respectively, while Sega held only 15%. So where's all that other weird percent going? I'm guessing just a random shit. Maybe Microsoft and some other shit. Probably PC things. More yeah, likely. probably. If I had to guess, that's probably where it is. Because PCs were still pretty popular at this time. I mean, they still are popular today, but... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, CSK chairman uh, Iso Okawa replaced Iramadri uh, as president of Sega on May 22nd of 2000. Okawa had long advocated that Sega abandon the console business. Others shared this view, and Sega co-founder David Rosen had always, uh, in quotes, always felt it was a bit of a folly for them to be limiting their potential to Sega hardware, end quote. And Stoller had suggested Sega should have sold the company to Microsoft, and in a in September 2000 meeting uh, with Sega's Japanese executives and heads of its first-party game studios, Moore and Sega of America executives Charles Belfield, uh, Belfield uh, recommended that Sega abandon its console business. In response, the studio uh, heads walked out. Uh, Sega announced an official company name change from Sega Enterprises Limited to Sega Corporation. 
effective November 1st, 2000, and Sega stated in a release that this was to display its commitment to its network entertainment business. This is when they just drop consoles altogether. Which they should have. Yeah, that's a smart choice if you wanted to, you know, not be fucking screwed <laughs> by the way the shit was going. Um, on January 23rd of 2001, Japanese newspaper Nihon Kazai Shinbun reported that Sega would cease production of the Dreamcast and develop software for other platforms. And after an initial denial, Sega of Japan released a press release confirming it was considering producing software for the PlayStation 2 and Game Boy Advance as part of its new management policy, in quotes. Uh, on January 31st, 2001, Sega announced the discontinuation of the Dreamcast after March 31st and the restructuring of the company as a platform agnostic. That's a really weird way of saying that, but all right. Uh, Third-party developer. Sega also announced a Dreamcast price reduction to eliminate its unsold inventory, uh, estimated at 930,000 units as of April 2001, and this was followed by further reductions to clear the remaining inventory, and the final manufactured Dreamcast was autographed by the heads of all nine Sega first-party game studios, plus the heads of sports games developers' visual concepts, and Audio Studio Wave Master and given away uh, with 55 first-party Dreamcast games through a competition organized by GamePro. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Might as well go out in flames. Yeah. That's pretty much a good way of saying that. <laughs> um, Okawa, who had loaned Sega $500 million in 1999, died on March 16, 2001, Shortly before his death, he forgave Sega's debts to uh, to him and returned uh, his $695 million uh, worth of uh, Sega and CSK stock, helping the company survive the third-party transition. And uh, he held failed uh, talks with Microsoft about a sale or merger with their Xbox division. And according to former Microsoft executive uh, jo- Joaquin Kempen, Josh. Joshim. I think it's Joaquin. 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 That could be Joaquin. Who knows? Joachim. Microsoft founder Bill Gates uh, decided uh, against acquiring Sega because, this is in quotes, he didn't think that Sega had enough muscle to eventually stop Sony. End quotes. And he was right. (laughs) (laughs) I I I mean, he wasn't capping there. I mean, he was... He was speaking from his heart. He really would, though. And he was speaking from a heart in his wallet. But <laughs> <laughs> shit, look at them now. They basically have everybody under the sun. Pretty much. Um, I can't remember. Did we? No, we haven't even talked about this. Speaking of which, those of you who only own PlayStation, sad news for y'all. Because the Elder Scrolls Six has been confirmed to be an Xbox and PC exclusive. Which I'm still good yeah, you're good because you got the PC. I'm good because I've got my Xbox. So. Yeah. If anybody wants to buy a PS4 Slim from me for, and it's one terabyte, I got you. <laughs> oh, man. <coughs> Tree fitting. Tree fitting. <laughs> um, a business alliance with Microsoft was announced where Sega develops uh, 11 games for the new Xbox console as part of the reconstructuring, uh, restructuring, my bad. Nearly one-third of Sega's Tokyo workforce was laid off in 2001. And 2002 was Sega's fifth consecutive fiscal year of net losses. (laughs) (laughs) 
they just don't die. Uh, after Okawa's death, uh, Hideki Sato, uh, a 30-year Sega veteran who had worked on Sega's consoles, became company president. And following poor sales in 2002, Sega cut its profits uh, forecast for, for 2003 by 90% and explored opportunities for mergers. And in 2003, Sega began talks with uh, Sammy Corporation, a pachinko and Pashislot? lot. Is that what that is? Pachis lot? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Fuck if I know. But anyway, they're they're a pachinko manufacturing company. That's all you need to know. And video game company uh, Namco, and the president of Sammy, uh, Hajime Satomi, had a history with Sega, as he was uh, mentored by uh, Isao Okawa, and was previously asked to be the CEO of Sega. On February 13th, Sega announced that it would merge with Sammy, but as late as April 7th. Uh, 17th, Sega was still in talks with Namco, which was attempting to overturn the merger. And Sega's consideration of Namco's offer upset Sammy executives. And the day after Sega announced it was no longer planning to merge with Sammy, Namco withdrew its offer. <laughs> so it's just a really fucked up company love triangle. Um, in 2003, Sato and COO Tetsu uh, Kamaya stepped down, and Sato being replaced with... Uh, Hisao Oguchi, uh, and uh, the head of the Sega studio, Hitmaker. Uh, Peter Moore left Sega of America in January 2003, and the reason for leaving was a frustrating meeting with Sega of Japan refusing to adapt to the changing gaming landscape due to the um, mature games like Grand Theft Auto 3. <laughs> Hidaika uh, Iri, uh became the new president and COO of Sega of America in October of 2003. And Edie previously worked at uh, Agitech and uh, ASC2, I'm guessing. It looks like a sigh. A sigh. A sigh, whatever. Whatever it is, what it is. <laughs> That's what I do every time we mention Sega. I just let out a sigh. <laughs> I made you do it too. <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> In August of 2003, Sammy bought 22.4% of Sega's shares from CSK, making Sammy into uh, Sega's largest shareholder. And uh, in the same year, Hajime Satomi said Sega's uh, activity would focus on its profitable arcade business as opposed to loss incurring home software development. And in 2004, Sega Sammy Holdings an entertainment conglomerate was created, and Sega and Sammy became uh, subsidiaries of the new holding company, uh, both companies operating independently while the executive departments merged. And according to the first uh, Sega Sammy annual, uh, Sega Sammy annual report, the merger <coughs> went ahead as both companies were facing difficulties, and Satomi said Sega had been operating at a loss for nearly 10 years while Sammy feared uh, stagnation and uh, over-reliance of its highly profitable uh, Pashalot, whatever the fuck that word is, and Pachinko machine business, and wanted to diversify. And uh, Sammy acquired the remaining percentages of Sega, completing a takeover, and the stock uh, swap deal valued Sega between $1.45 uh, billion and $1.8 billion. 
Sega Sammy Holdings was structured into four parts and consumer business, um, amusement machine business, uh, amusement center business, and uh, Pashalot and Pachinko business, uh, respectively. Um, in response to the decline of the global arcade industry in the 1990s, Sega created several novel concepts tailored to the Japanese market. Derby Owners Club was an arcade machine with uh, memory cards for data stores designed to take over half an hour to complete and costing uh, 500 Japanese yen to play. Jesus. <laughs> uh, a testing of Derby Owners Club in a Chicago arcade showed that it had become the most popular machine at the location with a 92% replay rate. While the 8-player Japanese version of the game was uh, released in 1999, the game was reduced to a smaller 4-player version due to the size issues and released in North America in 2003. The machine considered was uh, the machine considered was too expensive for the Western market, and it did not perform consistently uh, well at all locations. And while the Japanese market retained core players, Western arcades had become more focused on casual football. And Sega Amusements uh, Europe, the entity created to officially distribute and manufacture Sega's machines on the continent after the consolidation of its regional divisions, subsequently decided to develop more games locally that were better uh, suited to Western tastes. That's a fucking mouthful. <laughs> Holy shit. See, this is the problem with Sega. Why does all their history have to do with video games? Because this business shit's boring, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about the business, but unfortunately the business got to do with the game. You know what I'm saying? If it wasn't for the business, then we wouldn't have the game. Yeah, but it's not like Nintendo where I could skip all that stupid business shit. Because a lot of that business shit didn't have to do with the games. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Sega introduced trading card game machines with games such as World Club Champion Football for general audiences and Mushi King, the King of Beatles for young children. And the company also introduced internet functionality in arcades with Virtual Fighter 4 in 2001 and further enhanced it with AllNet, uh, a network system for arcade games introduced in 2004. In 2005, the GameWorks chain of arcades came under the sole ownership of Sega, which previously was shared with Vivendi Universal. And the chain was sold in 2011. In 2009, uh, Sega Republic, in indoor, uh, an indoor theme park, opened in Dubai. And Sega gradually reduced its arcade centers from 450 in 2005 to around 200 in 2015. However, arcade machine sales incurred higher profits uh, than the company's console uh, mobile and PC games on a year-to-year -year basis until the fiscal year of 2014. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of sad. That's rough. <laughs> in, in the modern age, your arcade machines still do better than your actual fucking games. That's, that's honestly kind of pitiful. Which is very sad. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we still have more to go. <laughs> Yeah. This is probably... Even though Sega is not a very interesting company by any means they whatsoever. They got a lot of back shit. They got a lot of back shit, and unfortunately it all connects to their gaming. Which, I know we, we said in the uh, previous episodes of going over companies and stuff like that, we want to only cover what really is important to the gaming side of things. And unfortunately all of Sega shit is. 
which sucks. <laughs> but uh, honestly, uh, this this is probably gonna be the first three parter of a company series. Sadly, and it has to be Sega. <laughs> yeah, which it is what it is. <laughs> It's like I heard. If you spell socks, you're basically say it is what it is in Spanish. S-O-C-K-S? Yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, we already have a, kind of a plan going on about the uh, the three games we're going to go over for Sega after we get done with the part three. We can and, go ahead and announce them. That's well, what I'm doing. Yeah. But basically, we're going to be going over Sonic, of course, because, yeah. I mean, you can't go over Sega without going over fucking Sonic. But, uh... Not fucking Sonic, but you know, Sonic. <laughs> it does help when you fuck Sonic, though. <laughs> but, uh, and we, we're having a hard time figuring out what Sega games go over because, you know, it's Sega. So we decided to just go with, uh, I know we're trying, we're like doing a lot of older games right now, but we're going to go over two more modern games as well. So we're going to go over the franchises of Yakuza and the franchises of Persona. Yeah, which we'll probably talk about some of the other games, but not, like, really heavily episode on. Like, we'll make mention of it, kind of like Echo the Dolphin. Yeah. And stuff like that. And which I, I know, we, yes, we know Persona is an Atlas product, but Atlas is part of Sega. Yeah. So we're just going to rope it in, and yes, we probably will eventually do an episode on Atlas, but, oh well. Yeah. Which Atlas, they've only really done just, like, SMT, Persona, and... Catherine Full Body and I think some other older shit. Who has Platinum? Um, Square. I think Square has Platinum. They do? I think they do. Huh. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that, anybody. I'm probably wrong. But I think Square might have uh, Platinum. Who owns the game? <laughs> but yeah, so that that's those are the three games we're gonna go over, and uh, the Yakuza um, episode is gonna be uh, episodes uh, episode slash maybe episodes, depending on if it's a two part or not. Uh, it's gonna be pretty interesting because we're gonna actually have our buddies Robert and James on that episode with us, so you yeah. can look forward to that as well because they know a lot more about it than we do, <laughs> especially James. <laughs> James is gonna go off on a fucking tangent. <laughs> But, uh, oh, also, need to get this out there. Uh, we posted on our Facebook page about this, but anybody uh, that's listening that does not have access to our Facebook page, um, which is autosave disabled on Facebook, you, uh, our one of our buddies, uh, uh, Brett, uh, along with uh, two of his friends, Ephraim and Matt, made a podcast called All Day Special. And uh, it is, so far they have uh, their first episode out and they're releasing their uh, next episode uh, this coming Wednesday on the 24th. Don't name drop. I'm don't, name, I'm, a, name I'm a fucking drop. name drop. I'm don't name dropping. Drop. I'm name dropping. All right. But anyway, so yeah, that uh, if you guys like comedy, uh, which I or, mean, just, it's basically bros being stupid bros. I mean, that's pretty much what we do just with a little bit of information on the side. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, go check them out. Yeah, definitely check them out. And uh, we, uh, uh, we, we we might have something in the works. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna get that way yet because we ain't one hundred percent. But I'm pretty sure we we, we ninety eight. I might might tickle their pickle and they might tickle my pickle in return. I mean our pickles. Yeah, our pickles. <laughs> I still prefer bread and butter. A lot of pickle tickling. You know what I'm saying? Yes, nah, sir. Man, I'm a dill guy. I like it a little sour. I don't, I don't, <laughs> My shit's sweet and crunchy. <laughs> but yeah, go check that podcast out if you uh, if you like our shit. 
Um, you'll probably like their shit. Uh, so far, uh, the, the first episode came out, and uh, the ne- next episode is going to be on uh, this coming Wednesday, I believe they said, which is the 24th of November. Yes. Um, and I'm looking forward to it, and uh, hopefully they're looking forward to our episodes, too. But, um, but yeah, so um, wanted to give a huge thanks to everybody listening because we have officially reached over 150 plays That's total. Spectacular, the- babies. On the podcast so far, which is uh, fantastic. We didn't think we'd hit that number that quickly, or as quickly as we have, anyway. Yeah. And uh, also on top of that, we uh, oh shoot, I'm sorry, I got hiccups. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we reached over 150 plays. Uh, we're growing back a little bit of audience. I know we had a good amount of plays on the first episode, and it kind of died down. I think that was because we had to take a week <laughs> off because we were. Or a couple of weeks off because we were fucked up and sick. <laughs> Thank you, COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, we're we're starting to get back up there. And uh, it, uh, as we've said before, and everything, if you guys have anybody that uh, any friends or any family or anything like that, you know, probably maybe like the podcast or likes podcasts in general, just uh, shoot 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 us their way, and uh, hopefully we can grow it a little bit bigger and eventually get to the point where we can have an actual, you know, bigger community and everything. Have our regional statistics stayed the same? Uh, the the U.S. has gone up, therefore bringing down the Mexico and the German. Okay. The Mexico went down to seven. It was at eight. Well, I'm pretty sure that, that our numbers are staying the same there, but just because yeah. our... Our numbers are the same in those countries. It's just because ours is growing in the U.S. Those are going down in yeah. percentage. Okay. Is, is it still just limited to Mexico, Germany, and... The U.S. Yes. Then you said no. You, did you say there was somebody in Africa, or, or am I just fever dreaming? You were fever dreaming the fuck out of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, just the, the U.S., Germany, and Mexico. That's all we got right now. Okay. Which I still think that's pretty fucking dope. Oh yeah, that, I love that. Um, if, if I mean, if our German audience is still listening, danke. <laughs> <laughs> because that's cool. You are awesome. <laughs> for all those listening in Mexico, I got to I got to give a big happy grassy ass for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, like uh, just I didn't think any we'd come anywhere close to reaching another country. Yeah, this this just yeah. people randomly finding us Yeah, like, that. like it's just whack to me. But uh yeah, th- thanks to anybody who's listening from another country other than the US. Y'all are great, cool, dope fantastic so are the people from the u.s because you always know america fuck yeah i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) but anyway so i think that'll do it for this episode guys we're gonna unfortunately have a part three on sega i promise we'll wrap it up quick as we can but anyway that'll be a shorter episode so we'll probably definitely bullshit a lot more oh yeah because we're we're what we're gonna bullshit enough in the third part to make up for all the shit we couldn't bullshit in these two (laughs) yeah i mean we're on like the we have like four and a half pages left to go of notes. Yes. So I think we'll get done with that within like the first like 15, 20 minutes probably. Yeah. But anyway, uh, this has been another episode of Auto Save Disabled. As always, I'm your host, Caleb or Sinner. And this is me, Trevor or King Thick. And we will see you beautiful people in the next episode. The beautiful people. Beautiful people. Beautiful, ah, beautiful ah, people. Beautiful people. The beautiful people. Bye.